Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Sean Kane, and this is Catholic Baltimore. Here today with Sarah Richard from St. Mark's Parish in Falston, and she's here to talk about a family ministry program that they call SPARK. Sarah, thanks for being with us. Thank you. So what is SPARK? SPARK is something that we came up with about say five years ago, we approached um, the, our, you know, the leaders of our parish and asked uh, if we could start a family ministry. We noticed that uh, everyone goes to church, uh, but other than that, there's not a lot of opportunities for people to meet each other and interact with each other. And as families, we're all kind of in the same boat as far as we're all trying to raise our kids and do the best job we can. And we thought it'd be really neat if we could have opportunities where we could interact at a deeper level and meet each other and share ideas and stories and challenges that we have raising kids today. So this ministry, in essence, brings families together who are, are parishioners um, to talk about common challenges, strategies for dealing with issues that come up. and Or even just social. Yeah. You know, just getting to know each other, building relationships. We find that the more connected people are uh, just in the community, then it helps us all in our faith journeys as well. Right. So do you feel like um, because of Spark, people feel more connected um, to the parish as well as to each other as fellow parishioners? I think so. Yeah. So what are some of the kinds of events that... Um, I know, and I think in Lent, you all hosted a really, a really good fish fry. Did you get I, to go? I can attest to that personally. <laughs> um, and it was really well attended. I mean, lots and lots of folks and lots of volunteers. So it was really great to see and kids. And so uh, beyond the fish fry, are there other things that you all host? Yes, we do. We try to do about one event a month uh, and we kind of take the summers off and we usually don't do anything major in December because it's pretty hectic, busy month for families. But uh, like in September, we do a kickoff. We usually get around 100 to 150 people that come out, and that's just, you know, we play kickball. Father Jerry was our um, our main uh, pitcher for kickball. <laughs> All-time pitcher. Yep. And then in October, we have a, a trunk or treat coming up that we host. And in November, we are doing a traditions night, which will be a, a time where we uh, bring families together to share different traditions that we're doing. And we're also hoping to have one, either Father Jerry or one of our um, deacons speak about church traditions. Interesting. So uh, what, what kind of traditions, for example, would you think families might share? You know... Uh, or, or are you going to wait and be surprised by what comes we up? We did this. We actually did a similar night um, in the first year that we were together as a group. I think it was back in 2012. And it was really cool to have families just different representatives from family. We kind of like pass the mic around the room. And are these like holiday traditions or are they? Any kind of tradition. A yeah. lot of people did share uh, holiday traditions, mm-hmm. though. Like in our family, we all get a new pair of jammies on Christmas yeah, Eve. Yeah, right. And that's really fun. We, my kids always look forward to it every year. Yeah. And, uh, and those types of traditions are things that people shared. And then we also are asking people to bring their um, favorite food tradition that is a kind of for everyone to share and try and so that you know most people have some type of food that it's been in their family that is right. kind of a cool thing that they might have so on a more 
maybe serious note, are there are there particular challenges that from either your own personal experience or from just people you've spoken to that um, families face that they can either use support from the church or from the wider community? I actually feel like what's challenging for families today is the, all the choices we have, all the opportunities that we have to do different things. The demands and, on the schedule. And that's a blessing because there is so many nice things to do. But at the same time, it's, it's tricky to prioritize where faith fits into that. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to be like, oh, we got a soccer game on Sunday right. morning, so I guess we're not going to make it to church this week. Or um, we, we've got so many other things going on the calendar. Where does church fit in and where does mm-hmm. faith fit in in prayer? So I think that one of the things that we're hoping with Spark is that people will feel that connection to church. They will remember that they need to make it a bigger priority, and their kids will be right there with them because they they already they look around the church and they see kids they already know because they've been to different events and met more people. And is the church? I know you know in, in my own parish, it's it's great. We have a a, a huge. Um, kind of selection, if you will, of masses. So if Sunday morning is bad, we can go Sunday evening or Saturday evening. Exactly. I mean, do you feel that in addition to, you know, having a flexible mass schedule that parishes are doing enough to help families with, you know, making those priorities and those I choices? I think so. I think, I think that, you know. Knowing that at the end of the day, it's a parent's decision. Exactly. And, and we all know what the right decision is, but right. it's hard to make sometimes. It is hard. But I do feel like, um, you know, in Hartford County, I know now we have a dedicated Saturday or Sunday evening mass at St. Margaret's at five o'clock, which that's a that's not an option that's really been available. And people have always had that Saturday night option, but now having that Sunday evening option is going to be really nice. That just started, I think, within the last month. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's definitely hard to always make it a priority and uh, put it up there, but it's, it's really got to be the center of our lives. It's just a, it's a hard thing to get across sometimes. And, and uh, people are are, are finding uh, other ways to become involved in their Catholic faith, but we can never lose sight of the importance of Mass and, most importantly, reception of the Eucharist. Absolutely. You know, and I think that as a parent, I think that's, that's a struggle that we feel like, oh, well, we're, we're doing this, so maybe Mass, you know, we don't have to do Mass this week, or the kids are in Catholic schools maybe and they're going to Mass, but it's so important as a family to go to Mass together. Absolutely. So um, we're recording this interview in October, and we're in the middle of the Synod on the Family, and so it's a certainly timely uh, uh, moment to have this conversation. And uh, we just finished with the World Meeting of Families. First, I of got all, to go to Philly. Did you? So yes. tell me about that. It was um, it was amazing to have the energy in the air there to see all those people. It was crazy crowded. Um, lots we, of families. Lots of families. Lots of kids. We. Um, we took a bus up, and the, so many buses and the SEPTA getting into the uh, downtown area was really easy. Getting through security was challenging. That's what we hear. And we never made it through security. Uh, um, for the mass. Yeah. Now, so we watched it to, on a Jumbotron. Did you go to the festival, or did you go to the meeting, or did you just go up for the mass? I just went up for the day on okay. that Sunday. Right. Yeah. And did you mass. have you spoken to anybody who went to the world meeting or took part in any of the discussions? Um, not, a, you know, I haven't talked with anybody locally. I do have some family members that came from Pittsburgh and said it was amazing. All the, con- all the different speakers and just had a really great week of conferences. So, um, I, I think it was amazing from what I understand, but I, we didn't send anybody from our church per se. Right. So given your, given your role, um, 
and and your involvement with Spark. Um, is this how do you how do you view this moment in the church's history in terms of the intentional focus that the Pope is putting on this very conversation that you're having at you know in Falston in Hartford County? Right. I think it's great. I think it's really where the church needs to focus. Um, families are critical to you know the church. That's our building block. That's um, where the relationships happen. That's where people feel connected. And if you don't feel connected to the people in your church, it's hard to feel connected to God sometimes, I think. So um, I know my own personal faith story when I was in college, and it was through other people and their faith that helped me grow stronger in my faith. And I think that we all need to be there for each other. And right now, when you're raising your kids and you're trying to instill that same faith in them, it's difficult, like I said, with all the different distractions and demands that we all have on our time. So anything that the the Catholic Church can do to strengthen families, to give more support, to, you know, help us on this faith journey that we're on in raising kids and, and in growing in our own faith, I think is great. Has, have, have you spoken to any other parishes about creating a spark ministry in their parish? Because it sounds like a really, uh, you know, great idea. I have had, I believe we had one parish that actually emailed us and they kind of wanted us to come to their parish and start it there. <laughs> Like almost, it's not how it works. Right, almost <laughs> like it was a, you know, like a, a something that I that we could just a bring to them. Prepackaged program, right? And right. I, I just said, you you really just need to try to find, you know, what what we did. We were actually hosting, um, we were hosting a small group Bible study at our house with about I would say six other couples, and we got to know people a lot better. And we approached two of those couples about five years ago, and we said, you know, we had this idea to do this family ministry, but we need help. You know, my husband's name is Dave, and we can't do this alone. So we just said, "Is there any way that you guys would help form this with us?" And we all spent about, I would say, about a year brainstorming, talking to Father Jerry, who was awesomely supportive of the whole idea. And um, just it took some time and lots of meetings and discussions. And the six of us all grew together in our friendships as well. Um, but it's uh, it's going good. Sarah Richard, thanks for being with us to talk about uh, St. Mark Falston's Spark Ministry. Thank you. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. It's Catholic Schools Week. From now through Saturday, February 4th, Catholic schools across the Archdiocese will be celebrating successes and raising awareness of their unique way of blending education and faith. Our February print edition contains several success stories, and we go to where classroom education begins, the teachers. In his feature, Why We Teach, managing editor Paul McMullen asks five teachers to share the inspiration behind their calling to education. I teach, said Christian Bailey, phys ed instructor at St. John the Evangelist School in Hydes, to contribute to a generation of curious question askers. Christy Ogilvy, who teaches the third grade at St. Jane Francis School in Pasadena, said, I relish the way a child smiles with confidence after they get it even if I have given countless hours to get there. Learn more about their insights in our print edition and at catholicreview.org. In the same issue, we visit Mother Seton Academy in Baltimore, the school for students from grades 6 through 8 from economically disadvantaged families is sponsored by six religious orders and several newly professed members of those orders are among the teachers. Marianist brother Justin Quiroz, 26, teaches religion, computers, and moderates a baking club. They're fun and enjoyable to be with most days, he says of the students. 
He added that teaching has called him to a deeper sense of himself as a religious brother and a person. Find these stories and many more, including our coverage of the March for Life, at catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. This is Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We're here with Father John Jack Lombardi, who is the pastor of St. Peter's in Hancock, and helped lead the Feet for Francis pilgrimage that just concluded during the papal visit. Father Lombardi, thanks for being with us. Good day, Sean. It's good to be with you and all the listeners. So you uh, marked the occasion of the very exciting visit of Pope Francis in a unique way, as I mentioned in my introduction. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that and how it came to be. Well, we walked from Baltimore to Philadelphia. Uh, It was a total of about 110 miles total in all. Uh, we started September 20th from the first cathedral in the United States, uh, the Basilica of the Assumption. In Baltimore. Yes. And we walked eight days, probably an average about 14 miles a day. And then, of course, our goal was to get to the Papal Mass in Philadelphia on Sunday, the 27th. And long story short, when I got back from um, Ireland, a walking pilgrimage there this summer, the first thing I do... Uh, Monday night when I check my emails, I get an email from our Catholic Review editor, Paul McMullen, and he said, uh, Dear Father Jack, um, the Pope's coming to the States. Um, I'm scheming. Would you like to um, walk to Philadelphia? (laughs) When I was in Ireland, they used the word scheming for plan. You know, it took us a few days to figure that out. You know, we're scheming for you, right. for Dennis, for a plan, for a bike, for a, you know, auto insurance. We Americans think scheming yeah. is a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. So I get back, get this email, and he says, I'm scheming. So I thought it was God's design to do it. Yes. And with a name like McMullen, he's certainly exactly, a, yeah. Irish speaking man. the Irish tongue. Yeah. So for people who may not be familiar with the term pilgrimage, as we're talking about um, semantics here, uh, maybe give a little primer on how that a pilgrimage is different uh, in a Catholic sense than, say, any other type of journey that somebody would make? Sure. I describe pilgrimages uh, as a sacred journey to a religious place for spiritual purpose. So um, it's kind of got those three elements. And, you know, you could go to vo- uh, vacation to Ocean City and make mm-hmm. it holy, um, but it's not maybe necessarily a pilgrimage. So, you know, go to Rome, or we were just talking about before on air, Emmitsburg, Maryland, you know, our backyard, you could go to the Basilica in Baltimore. You know, it's a sacred journey. You're traveling to a spiritual place 
for religious reasons. So you have that, you know, inner heart content to do something for the Lord, to sacrifice, or make a journey, or maybe a cousin is sick or something, and you're doing that travel for that person. In our case, it was, of course, going to see the Pope, um, walking, and, uh, you know, we had our spiritual purposes. We encouraged everybody to bring a, an intention or two. Mm-hmm. So what was the uh, an average day like on the on this particular uh, pilgrimage? Well, the average day uh, was wake up at uh, 6.30-ish, and we would either be in a church, literally, <laughs> or a big hall, or a gym, gymnasium, and all three were really um, fine. And then we'd try to wake up, and then we would have mass at 7.30 most days, and uh, then we would have breakfast, and some of the breakfasts, you know, being a priest, you know, living by myself just about, um, wow, these breakfasts were great. It was like waking up to IHOP every day, you know. <laughs> the Knights of Columbus, the ladies group, all these various church groups, Newman University, and so, you so forth. you various Catholic Churches, locations. yes, yeah. and um, halls. So we would have a, gosh, a sumptuous breakfast or, um, you know, Donuts, coffee, tea, juice, and stuff, which I'm not used to. Then we would, um, you know, uh, relax a little bit. And inevitably, it'd be 9.30 or so or 10 o'clock. Sometimes we get on the road, start walking, and um, do our hike for the day. It would be 12 miles or 16 miles or 14 miles to walk up the road, you know, to the next town. Mm -hmm. And we would stop for lunch, and somebody would meet us, or we had a queue up at a church or somewhere. Sometimes it was a, a Wawa or a Gunpowder Falls State Park there on Bel Air Road. Um, and we would have a lunch set up. Then we would get back on the road and um, we would have vans, you know, following us, cars, mm-hmm. in case somebody got tired or needed a restroom. So we would walk the rest of the afternoon to five o'clock, six o'clock, then collapse in a church or something. So it was... Uh it was a long day. Yes. Um, I should probably say it was probably to 6 or 7 o'clock by the time we finished the day because, yeah. you know, we had a lot of stops. We had 25 people. Some were younger, older, you know, so you Stop make your time. reasons. Yes, yeah, yeah stop. So it was always joyful. We were fine safety-wise the whole time. It, you know, it, was, it went perfectly. So you mentioned earlier um, the, the walk in, in Ireland. Uh, so clearly you've done <clears> – <throat> more than one of these. Um, how was this different from the others, and kind of how did you become um, the pilgrimage priest here in Baltimore? Well, um, six years ago, we got the whiff after doing a couple trips to Africa and so forth to go to Santiago de Compostela, which is northwest Spain. And that's, of course, the famous cathedral. And that was the most famous and maybe today the most famous walkway pilgrimage place on earth. I think people from all over the world go there. Spain, some of it starts in France and other parts of Spain. The total walk is 400 miles. Six years ago, we decided to do 100 miles. And we got a group of about 17 people. And um, out of that group, one has become a priest. One has become a sister. Uh, others have gotten married and so forth, so it's a joyful group of people. We walked 100 miles out from Santiago de Compostela on the Camino. It's called the Camino. And we uh, survived a bull attack, um, hot days, 
you know, long walks and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a great thrill to do that on the original Camino, you know, the original walkway. Sure. So ever since then, you know, we've had that, I've had that um, kind of whiff of walking and it's been joyful. And we've uh, done walks in France two years ago this year in Ireland for religious freedom. And of course, uh, with the diocese about four years ago, 2012, we started the walks for religious freedom. We walked from Hancock to um, Baltimore. And that was just a beautiful trip, walking over South Mountain, Catoctin yeah. Mountain, and just taking your time. I the picture of you uh, yeah. through, going through the cornfields. Yes. You know, so it was a right. really neat yeah. image. And then coming into the city, and we saw the cathedral. Father Michael Descanis said, look, there's a basilica. There's your goal. And it was really thrilling cool. for all the kids, us, you know, say, wow, we made it. So um, it's always been joyful uh, to do the walks. You get um, a lot of bonding of the group together. Um, you get a good workout. Um, it's like a mini slice of life. You know, you have to uh, work through issues, challenges, um, survive together, pray, mass, um, walk, you know, pray in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we've helped the poor, as we did, of course, uh, on that trip and also on the Feet for Francis this trip also. Right, so that's my next question. In addition to walking for the purpose of reaching Philadelphia where the mass was being held, you also were helping out a pretty important cause. Can you talk about Feet for Francis? Well, um, I just put some more shoes in my car coming from Hancock today, yesterday. Um, we collected a lot of shoes. I should say a lot of people um, all over the diocese have collected bags and bags, uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of pounds of shoes for funds to orgs as the group that's helped us, the Archdiocese, Paul McMullen and our group and uh, before the trip we advertise you know put the word out emails website and so forth um as part of this the pope has asked us to go to the margins meaning you know cross the railroad tracks there's people that need help not only in baltimore maryland western maryland but haiti africa so as part of our walk in honor of um, pope francis you know this isn't just about navel gazing us doing a walk but we wanted to outreach spin off the goodwill people seeing us to help raise funds and in this case shoes for the poor so it's a, been a blessed event um i know you didn't set out to do it for this purpose but this particular pilgrimage got a ton of attention and it was even featured on nbc nightly news with lester holt right uh, among others so were sure. you surprised by the amount of attention it got yes um i guess it was kind of the snowball effect on the one hand um you know one you know, gets to another and so forth. And this group hears from another group. And so that's kind of a natural thing. I think the other part, just as I tell the story, we went to, um, got on the outskirts of Philly Saturday, beautiful days, one o'clock. We were hungry as usual, needed bathrooms as usual. And we were ready for our lunch. And of course, on our bucket list was to see the Pope, get there safely, be a team. Check, check, check. One last thing, Philly, cheesesteaks. So we went and <laughs> vetted out. Yes, right? exactly. Um, this was the next best thing. We vetted the restaurant, went in, we got our big tables. There's 20 people in these yellow gold shirts. And um, we were sitting outside. We had a great meal, big pizzas. And Timmy, the owner of the restaurant, helped us out. There were people kind of looking at us from inside. And who is this group seeing all these youth wondering, you know, what are they doing? And so we asked for the bill. It was a you know nice size bill, good food, and the bill was paid for by all the people inside. 
Wow. So that illustrates, you know, um, you know, one good thing. It's a lot of good begets, out there. Yeah, begets yeah. another. Um, we have a phrase in our Latin tongue, bonum diffusum est. Good is diffusive of itself. You know, people want to, hey, I want to get involved in that. And I think the news organizations, others saw that and people on the street. And we often got, you know, a few dollars on the street. Um, you know, the use of a restroom in the person's house or restaurant and so forth. It's, yeah. It was a blessed event. Very, very kind. If people want to learn more about um, donating shoes for Feet for Francis, which the donations continue to still roll in, what's the best way to do that? Is there a website they can go to? Right. They could go to funds2org, F-U-N-D-S, the number two, O-R-G-S, and donate. Um, they could call the Archdiocese, go on the Archdiocesan website, CR Media uh, website. They can check there. Uh, I'm Father Jack Lombardi, uh, St. Peter in Hancock, Maryland, 301-678-6339. Our assistants there at the office, and we've done a lot of healthy work and good work to people. Um, we'd love to help people to help others also. That's great. Father Jack Lombardi, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.